All right. Good morning, Trace. How are we feeling this morning? This must be the spit zone right here. Right here is the spit zone. Hey, we're so incredibly grateful to have each and every one of you with us today. I want to take a moment and uh, give you a heads up about something coming up. Uh, on 9-11 is our six-year anniversary. Can we just give it up for that? Six years of incredible ministry here at Trace. And uh, we're going to throw a celebration on our six-year birthday, and we're going to be having a huge party out in the parking lot. We're going to bounce houses, all kinds of stuff that your kids are going to enjoy. So I would encourage you to invite friends that have kids to come and just be a part of that. But one of the things that we're going to do that we're going to put a little bit more intentionality behind is on our six-year anniversary, we've decided uh, that we want to collect 6,000 food items to put into the food pantries here in Colorado Springs. Now, if you don't know this, you should probably know this, that through, throughout the COVID pandemic, um, a lot of the food pantries in Colorado Springs became depleted. And so you know this, we're not just a church in this city, we're a church that's for this city. And so we saw that this is a real need that we can meet. And so we're gonna ask that you partner with us. And I need to let you know up front, like that's not going to be an easy task. Uh, to collect 6,000 food items is going to take some sacrifice on each of our behalves. And so I want to encourage you to start thinking about that now. Don't just pick out the, you know, the old can of corn that's 15 years old in your pantry. Let's bring some good stuff and uh, partner with our city. Let them know that we see them, that we love them, and we want to make a difference where we can. Amen? All right. Well, oh, also one more thing on that. On 9-11, this should be easy to remember, we're switching service times to 9 and 11. So instead of 9.30 and 11, we're switching to 9 and 11 on 9-11 and we'll be those two service times moving forward. All right, let me jump into my sermon for the day. Um, about 20 plus years ago, Emily and I began our dating relationship. And when we did, we were in what some would refer to as a crisis of faith. She grew up um, Catholic, I grew up Baptist, and we were kind of bouncing back and forth to each other's churches, but never really sensing or feeling the presence of God in our lives at either location. I remember one particular Sunday, we were, we were attending church together, and the preacher at the time, he goes, the Dixie Chicks need to be buried face down because that's where they're going. And I'm like, man, you don't mess with the Dixie, no, I'm not even a fan of the Dixie <laughs> But we knew in that moment that this was the kind of spiritual rhetoric that wasn't going to fill our souls, much less be the kind of place that we wanted to invite people back to, which led us to start searching, ultimately landing at a church that we would say radically transformed our lives. Hold that thought. Today, we're continuing in this series called In This House, where we're taking a few weeks to point out some specific things that we would say as a church we want to, to focus on, but not just things that we want to focus on, but also things we want to avoid. And so for our time today together, what I'd like to talk to you about is the subject of hospitality. Now, in the spirit of hospitality, here's what I'm going to ask that you do. I'm going to ask that you look to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Go ahead and do that. Now, go ahead and say that to your second choice because there's another neighbor that obviously was your second choice. So tell them you're glad, you're glad they're here as well. If you've been paying any attention uh, you've probably observed, like me, that over the last couple of years, it kind of it feels like things are falling apart. I mean, hatred and vitriol are at an all-time high. The polarization of politics is unparalleled to any other time in my life. 
not to mention the growing chasm between secular culture and the Christian faith. I mean, what once would have maybe just been a differing of opinions has now led to downright enemies. And maybe that leads you to ask the same question as me, why? Why? Well, psychologists would tell us that something happens to us as soon as we start to divide and draw a line, and on the other side of that line, we label people as them. Because if there's a them, then there's an us. And you know as well as I do, us is always right. When we do this, something psychologically and emotionally happens within us, and we stop seeing the need to extend empathy. We stop seeing the need to show compassion. We stop seeing the need to offer love to people that are different from us. Instead, what we have a tendency to do is dehumanize and even demonize those that have fallen outside of the lines that we have drawn. And maybe one of the saddest indictments on the church right now is that Christians have fallen into this as well. This is why I would argue that one of the greatest tasks in front of the church right now is to restore credibility to the gospel. And why some of you may look at that as an insurmountable task, I would suggest that each of us has an unlimited amount of capacity to offer what I'm gonna refer to as radically ordinary hospitality. That by simply extending kindness, even to people that maybe fall on the other side of our political persuasion, that fall on the other side of an opinion or position that we may hold to, that if we would just simply bring to the table what each of us has the capacity to bring to the table, an unlimited amount of radical, ordinary hospitality, I believe we can start to bridge this chasm. And I'm gonna build a biblical case for that. And I would begin in Romans chapter two when Paul says, It is out of God's kindness, think about this, it's out of God's kindness that people are drawn to repentance. So think about that. If it's out of God's kindness that draws people to repentance, guys, what do you think is gonna happen to the church if we're not even representing the very thing at times that God said is is what actually draws people to him? Because in the center of hospitality is kindness, being hospitable. When we see this word hospitality in our New Testaments, we're actually reading the word philoxenian. It's a compound word. Philo means love and exenos means stranger. And so philoxenian is actually the exact opposite. And I should say hospitality is the exact opposite of xenophobia, which is the fear or hate of a stranger. Instead, it's the love of the strangers among us. Let me build this biblical case for you. Let me share this from Henry Nouwen first, because I love this quote. Henry Nouwen says that hospitality is the creation of a free space where a stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. And as the pastor of this church, I would tell you in this house, don't we all want strangers to feel like friends as quickly as possible? In... Romans chapter 12, Paul says this. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And share with the Lord's people who are in need. And as a summation statement, he says, practice hospitality 
In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Isn't that incredible to think about? In 1 Peter chapter four, Peter says, above all, love each other deeply. Now, this is kind of an all-encompassing statement, right? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And then he adds the next line for all the introverts in the room, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And in Luke chapter six, we see Jesus say something and our first blush would be, I don't think he's talking about hospitality, but I would argue that he definitely is talking about hospitality in the way that he says this. In Luke six, he, he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you, would, uh, if you could understand his context at the time, he was speaking to those that were in his proximity that were religious leaders. They were, if not religious leaders, they were believers. And he's saying, guys, listen to me. It's easy to love the guy that you're gonna see in synagogue every week. It's easy to love the person that's believed the same thing that you've believed your whole life. It's easy to love people in your family. But what about people on the outside of that? What about the stranger? What about people outside the lines that you drew that maybe you shouldn't have? What about your enemies? When uh, I started college 20 plus years ago, I was going to the University of Kentucky, go blue. And um, I started as a pre-physical therapy major and then I ultimately changed that to psychology and then I realized I probably needed a counselor more than I should become a counselor. And so I sat down with my advisor and I didn't know where, where I was going. I'm like, I don't know what I wanna do. And so she's talking with me through all these different possibilities. and she mentioned something called hospital management. And I'm like, sweet, yeah, let's do that. Let's go for that, sounds good, hospital management. And so I was still kind of in the basic courses as, as you know, in the first couple years of college. And so I completed that year, it was about a year that had gone by and then I set up an appointment with her and sat down with my advisor again. I said, okay, I think I'm done with my basics. Like, what do I need to start for hospital management? And she said, what did you say? I said, what do I need to start for hospital management? And she goes, oh, sweetheart, almost like one of those bless your heart moments, like you idiot. She said, you're not in hospital management, you're in hospitality management. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. What am I majored in? She's like, yeah, like running a hotel or something. I'm like, I don't wanna do that. And so to all the students in the room that don't know what you wanna do in life, your pastor didn't even know what he was majored in for an entire year. And here I am, I think I, I turned out okay, so you're good, I promise. <laughs> Guys, as Christians, I think oftentimes we're majoring in the wrong things. Instead of peace, we get way too heated over political things. I'm not saying you shouldn't be passionate about different political positions, but we just get way too heated, right? Have you yelled at the TV recently? Maybe that's a good sign. Instead of mercy, we just want to make a point. Call that point-proving theology. Just want to make a point. Instead of love, specifically loving those maybe that we would say are on the outside. Instead of love, we draw lines and decide where and who you know, we think should be within those lines. None of us should be okay. I want you to hear this. None of us should be okay 
with how many people look at what we do in here, and not this specific church, just church in general. None of us should be okay with how many people look in here and they think hostility before they think hospitality. None of us should be okay with that. Maybe it's time that all of us start majoring in hospitality management. Maybe it's time where we allow God to do some work within us and search us to see what lines that we have drawn that he is desperately trying to erase. Now, I think oftentimes the reason why people think of hostility when they think of what we do in here on a Sunday or throughout the week even is because of what they observe and what they see people and Christians specifically saying and doing online, what different churches maybe say or do online. And you've seen it. And this, the amount of venom that's spewed and the type of tone that is really hard to reconcile through the life of Jesus, through the filter of Jesus. And although none of us can change what every Christian says or does, especially online, even though we can't control what any church decides to do or not do, what, what all of us can do, listen to me, I'm talking to every single one of us in this room, what all of us can do together and collectively is bring to the table an unlimited amount of radical, ordinary hospitality. And we can offer that to every single person that comes through the doors of this church. I want all of you to feel like you're hosting people in your home. This is our house, guys. This is our home. I want you to feel like you're a host in this home. That we don't allow anybody to come through our doors feeling like a stranger, but still leaving that way. Instead, they come feeling like a stranger, maybe even an enemy. I promise you it happens. But they leave feeling like a friend. Not because we've watered down the gospel, not because we haven't said what we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us to say, but because we offer them the same kind of compassion and the same kind of kindness and the same kind of availability that Jesus did to those that were on the outside of those lines. Guys, host well. Host well. Because hospitality is often what gives outsiders their first impression of hope. You've experienced this. Think about maybe a home that you've been into before you've uh, gone into somebody's house and really quickly you started to feel like, I don't even know if they want me here. Anybody ever been in one of those situations where it's like, I don't even know if I, they want me in their home right now. It doesn't give you a lot of hope that the evening's gonna go very well. And so maybe you come up with one of those fake COVID coughs. That's what I would do. <laughs> I, th I immediately just got COVID. We should probably leave. Yeah. But isn't the opposite just as true? Have you ever had somebody meet you at the door? <laughs> Welcome. Man, we're so glad you're here. And they, they give you a hug, a side hug if they're not a Christian. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, come on in, man. Offer you some food. And then if they want to take hospitality like to next level, they give you refrigerator rights. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You get refrigerator rights. You can get in their fridge and you eat anything you want. It's like I'm spending the night. I don't know what would be equivalent to offering people refrigerator rights as we welcome them in our church. Maybe it's like, hey, I'll show you the communion supplies. I don't know exactly what that would be. But don't we all want people to feel welcome in our home? I mean, can you imagine inviting somebody here? And let's say you're, you know, we're trying to create a culture of invitation here, Trace. Can you imagine inviting somebody here? And, oh man, you don't get to make it the Sunday that they showed up. Don't you have the deepest desire in your soul to want to know that they were treated well? 
They were welcomed. They were loved. They weren't treated like an enemy or a stranger. They were treated like a friend. I want all of us to think, even as we're driving here to church on Sunday, God, help me to be available so that no one, no one goes unseen or overlooked. That no one goes unseen or overlooked. I'm gonna switch gears for a moment. If you were to pay attention to the life of Jesus, he not only defined, but he demonstrated clearly that his mission, his main mission were for the outsiders. Help me preach this morning. He said, I came to seek and save that which was, I didn't come for the healthy, but the, I'll leave the 99 for the. His message was clear. His mission was even clearer. He came for those that are on the outside. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That gives me an incredible amount of encouragement because if you've ever been an outsider, which I think most of you have lived enough life up till now and had enough experiences to probably feel like an outsider at some point in your life, to have ever felt like an outsider, I love that our Lord and Savior's main mission was to reach those on the outside because you know as well as I do, when you're the outsider stepping into something new for the first time, at the least, it's discouraging and disorienting. And all it takes to, ta to change that burden into a blessing is for one person, one person to come up to you and say, hey, you look like you're lost. Hey, you look like you're new. Hey, if you don't have anybody to sit with today, I'd love for you to sit with me. Hey, can I show you around? I mean, think about it. Don't just think about the context of this church. Think about all kinds of different contexts. Maybe you're stepping onto a new staff for the first time, walking into a new school for the first time. Maybe a new sports team, maybe a new neighborhood. Maybe you start dating somebody and it was that first you know, time meeting their family and you just kind of feel like the outsider. And all it takes is for one person to extend a hospitable gesture. Hey, I'll help you. I'll walk with you. You can sit with me. That's all it takes to take that burden and turn it into a blessing. But here's where most of us go wrong, okay? Most of us are waiting for somebody else to do that. Most of us in here, I think I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. It's like, we, we want that to happen, right? We, we want that person to not feel like a stranger. We don't want that kid walking into the lunchroom by himself and feeling like nobody's willing to talk with him. Or, like, so we feel that. But unfortunately, most of us see it, we observe it, we notice it. Somebody else will take care of that. To which I'd look at every single one of you and say, be that someone. You be the someone. You be the difference. Everyone is someone's someone. Stop waiting for someone else. You be the someone that someone else needs to take that burden and turn it into a blessing. A couple weeks ago, we did something we don't typically do around here at Trace, and we had a time of greeting um, before you sat down. If you weren't here, you don't even know what I'm talking about, so I'll try to build some context for you, because we haven't done that. Historically, as a church, we don't take that time of fellowship, whatever it's called, depending on the tradition that you grew up in, where it's like, hey, we're gonna take a time, say hi to everybody. You know, we just did that a little bit a second ago. But we actually have the greeting time where it's like, hey, welcome one another before you have a seat and then we sit down. Now, some of you are like, hey, why don't we do that more often? Because again, it's a tradition that you were brought up in. And I wanna tell you very clearly why we don't do that. You've heard us say around here that we trust the trends. 
And the trends actually say that one of the most uncomfortable times for a guest, a stranger, that decides to come in here for the first time is when they're experiencing this welcome and greeting time, and usually it's the pastor actually giving the orders, so to speak, of, hey, greet one another, welcome one another, and so the pastor's actually telling you to do it, and then that person that's here for the first time gets overlooked, is unseen. And you know what they don't do? Come back. You know what they don't do? Leave feeling like a friend. And so based on that being one of the number one reasons why people don't come back to church, I'm willing to trust that trend. Now, here's what I would tell you, because we do want to create a culture of hospitality here, and because we are a family, hope you, hopefully you feel that, we are a family, we want to be hospitable to one another, I would like to start doing that from time to time, but I need your reassurance that we're not going to allow anybody to go unseen or overlooked. Can I get that from you this morning? Just clap if I can get that from you this morning, that none of us want anybody to go unseen and overlooked in our home, in our house, in this house. We want strangers to feel like friends as quickly as possible. Nobody goes unseen or overlooked, which means you might have to be the traveling Tim. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, baby. You know who Traveling Tim is? Traveling Tim started over here, and before greeting time was done, he was back in the nursery kissing babies. Like he wanted to make sure everybody felt seen and noticed. We want to create a culture of hospitality here. And I would say we have, church. I don't want to act like this is something that we've not done well. Because I would say that to a great extent, we have done this, but would I... Also tell us that there's room for growth 100%. Henry Nowen says that hospitality, it's not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It's not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. I love that last statement. Not to offer freedom, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. Trace, I would tell you that the chasm between the Christian world and this culture is as big as I've ever seen it in my 43 years of life. Sociology is not going to fix this. Psychology is not going to fix this. Religious rhetoric is not going to fix this. But I honestly believe that radical, ordinary hospitality can if we will all invite a work of God into our lives led by the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to see where we have potentially drawn lines, to help us to see if, we're, if there's anything divisive within us that's keeping Jesus from doing the work that he wants to do in someone else's life, to invite the Holy Spirit to show us, even if there's a hesitation to extend love with people that we would determine have fallen outside of the lines that we have drawn that we never should have drew in the first place and that Jesus actually wants to erase. For some of us, this might take some soul work because maybe you grew up in a culture or you grew up in a setting or you grew up potentially, God forbid, but it happens in a church where something kind of through osmosis because it was just the culture around you, it kind of stuck to where you started to think, well, they deserve to be where they're at and we deserve to be where, where, where we are at, right? So this idea is like, well, I believe the right things. Most of the time I say the right things. I'm affiliated with the right political party. And so I deserve to be where I'm at and they deserve 
to be where they're at. Can I remind you this morning that the Bible says that without Jesus, you are dead in your sins. Without Jesus, you're not a child of God, you're an enemy of God. Without Jesus, you are without hope and you're destined for destruction. Without Jesus, listen to me, we are all outsiders. All of us. But wait, because through Jesus, you get to become a child of God. Through Jesus, you're set free from your sins. Through Jesus, his righteousness overrides your rebellion. Through Jesus, you're invited into a life of abundance. Through Jesus, you're given the gift of eternal life. And out of that gratitude, we should be trying to help Jesus throw open the floodgates of heaven, sometimes moving religious people out of the way like he did and say, come to me. Come to Jesus, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens because his message and his table is for everyone because he knows that everyone is welcome into the family of God. As long as they will repent and turn of their sins, they would give their life over to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May we never be the obstacle that gets between someone that we would maybe consider an outsider and the work of God in their lives. Not in this house. I have a couple friends who come here um, that are uh, tatted up, man. They're all tatted up, which I love. Uh, if you've never seen my Lion of Judah, don't make me flex up here this morning. He'll, he'll, he'll growl at you. Take that out, like cut that out of the video. <laughs> Just not in my notes. Um, <laughs> sleep deprived. Okay. Um, but they talked to me about their other church experiences. And, you know, they said, you know, Aaron, to be fair, you know, we weren't, we didn't feel judged, but we often felt avoided. Guys, none of us were ever given the option of practicing conditional hospitality. None of us were ever given the option of practicing conditional hospitality, deeming those that we feel are worthy people that we feel are appropriate enough, that we feel are Christian enough, that align with our political persuasion, that fit within our lines. We were never given the option of practicing conditional hospitality. And do you know what Jesus did with those kind of boundaries? He brought a wrecking ball of grace through them. And he opened the floodgates of heaven. And again, oftentimes moving religious people out of his way. Come to me all who are weary and carry a heavy burden. The kingdom of God disrupts and dismantles paradigms, church. And we must keep an open invitation. We must keep an open invitation for God to disrupt and dismantle ours. Let me close with this. Uh, and our house, we have one of those tables that you can extend and you can put a leaf in the middle of it to make it bigger. Anybody else have one of those? And you know if you have one of those and you've got more guests coming over and you're trying to pull that table apart, like you're gonna get a hernia doing it, right? I mean, that thing is like, I mean, you just barely move and you're giving it everything you got and then you finally get it stretched out so you can put the, the leaf in the middle of it. Let me ask you a question. When you think of the table of Jesus, do you see more room? Because I believe Jesus is saying, guys, let's stretch the table. 
stretch the table. We gotta make more room. We've said from the very beginning that we wanna be a church with a long table because we do believe that everyone is welcome. No one is perfect. And through Jesus, anything is possible, amen? And so I'm asking you to join with me and with our team to stretch the table here. Because in this house, we want a long table. In this house, we want people that once felt like outsiders to feel like friends. In this house, we want to challenge and at times dismantle the paradigms that we put in place so that we can remove obstacles to get people to Jesus. In this house, we are going to, and I love this, it's probably my favorite mantra that we have here at Trace. We're going to embrace those far from God. Because just like the father who was waiting for his prodigal son to come home, he didn't just wait for his son to get to him on the front porch. It says that he ran out and he embraced him. Let's run after people, Trace, that might right now truly feel not just like an outsider, but our enemy. And let's replace this narrative. Let's replace this narrative of hostility with radical, ordinary hospitality. In her book, The Gospel Should Come with a House Key, Rosaria Butterfield says this, radically normal hospitality sees our homes and our churches as not our own, but as God's tools for furtherance of his kingdom as we welcome those who look, think, believe, and act differently from us into our everyday, sometimes, I would say oftentimes, messy lives, helping them see what true Christian faith really looks like because the gospel should come with a house key. <laughs> the gospel should have refrigerator rights. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, God, thank you so much for the example of Jesus. God, thank you that we don't have to spend too much time trying to discern what our approach should be because Jesus made it clear he came to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. He's ready to leave the 99 for the one. Father, may that be our posture. God, by no means do we want to water down your gospel truth as we do this, but we do invite you to challenge and even wreck through our paradigms if necessary. God, some of us may need to do some deeper soul work here today. I pray that you would invite you would partner with them, God, that you would send your Holy Spirit to fill them, to help them to see how some things have stuck over the years that you want to uns unstick. How some things have started to be manifested in their life that don't represent your kindness and who you are. And so, Father, I pray that you would do a work in our lives, that we would be open to that, that we would invite you to do that very thing. We pray this through the power of Jesus. Amen.